Welcome, my friends, to the Generations Broadcast. Kevin Swanson, your host with you. Bill Jack from Worldview Academy here. Energy prices are going up. Wow. People are going to freeze to death in Europe and America this winter. That's what they're saying. It may be somewhat overstated. I don't know. But the numbers don't look good. No, I mean, when you look at the supply chain, uh, there are places that are saying there there will be no more diesel Uh, next month. And you know how that's going to affect trucking and food supply and everything else. 23% of households could not wholly pay an energy bill this past year in the United States, and that's going to get worse. 23%. That's probably going to go to 50%. That's what they're saying. So half of Americans will not be able to pay their energy costs. 34% skip groceries or other basics to settle their utilities in the last year. That means about double that. 60 to 70% will not be buying groceries this winter. Energy costs for households across Europe, even worse. Listen to this. This is from, uh, I think it's eunews.com. Gas bills have soared 111% and electricity up 69%, according to the latest figures from the Household Energy Price Index. Average, these two figures mean an energy bill increased 90% or nearly double compared to October of 2021 in Rome. Okay, in Rome, that's Italy. In Rome, it revealed that uh, gas costs increased by 97% last month. Last month. Wow. 97% last month and more than 170% compared to a year ago. Now, why? I I think it's important to ask the question why. I wrote a book for 14-year-olds and for families and for 45-year-olds and for 72-year-olds. It's called How the World Runs and Your Part in It. It's on economics. And I think we should give basic economics to every young person. In fact, it's mandatory. It's not a... uh, an option for our ninth grade package you've got you've got to take economic science that that's essential it's part of core for our biblical worldview-based curriculum offered at generations.org so friends yeah you've got to give every child an economics course in macro and micro and be sure you've got about 60 percent of your economics course crossing over into the micro application but uh we got to be sure our kids understand economics you agree with that bill oh yeah every single one of our 14 year olds have got to get their economics down. And this has got to be a basic core part of their high school curriculum. You know, the, the gospel is economics. You know, we're, we're commanded from the very beginning to be fruitful and multiply. We're commanded to go and make disciples. We need to understand economics. The gospel is economics. Well, yeah, we're to be and, fruitful and multiply. We're to take what is around us and multiply right. our efforts. Right. And and don't forget, there are some 4,000 passages in Scripture that tie directly into economics and work. Well, here's a couple reasons. One is inflation. Quantitative easing, stimmy checks. Guess what? You increase the monetary supply. Okay. I mean, we give this example in the book, How the World Runs. You've got $1,000 running around a community of 100 people. The king prints 2,000 extra dollars and floats it out there. Suddenly, what's everything worth? Well, what's what are you paying now for a loaf of bread? Instead of one dollar, you're paying you're paying three dollars, yeah. right? So you say, well, what happened? I'm paying three dollars for a loaf of bread. Well, the king just released another two thousand dollars into economy where you only had a thousand dollars, 
available for buying and selling. Okay, so that's what inflation is. And so it should be pretty obvious that we're going to see an increase in prices. Secondly, import bans on Russian oil due to the Ukrainian war. And I think we all know that. Here's the third reason why energy prices so high. Crude oil production in the United States. Listen to this. Crude oil production in the United States. This is where America produces its own oil. Okay, And America has been producing way more of its own oil for the last 15 to 20 years. Okay, but crude oil production in the United States dropped on January of 2020. Now, I want you to think back. What happened in January of 2020? Uh, Well, most people returned all the gifts from Christmas that they didn't like. No, that wasn't it. Uh, Oh. Um, there was no, uh, holiday to look forward to like well, Halloween. There was an election. Oh, there was it, an election. Oh. There was an election in 2020 and, and somewhere between January of 2020 and January of 2021, we began to see a massive decrease in oil production in America, partially due to COVID-19, but more so due to the election of Joe Biden. Yep. Okay. And oil production dropped from 13.1 million barrels a day down to 9.7 million barrels a day. And uh, during the Trump administration, the oil production had increased from 8.5 million barrels a day to 13.1 million barrels a day. So you had an increase of 8.5, 13.1, 2020 hits, 2021, and that sags from 13.1 all the way down back down to 9.7 million barrels a day. It's working its way back up ever so slowly, nowhere near where it was at its peak in 2020. Now, why would the price of oil go up? Given that the production of oil in America has dropped off from 13.7 million barrels a day to 9.7 million barrels a day. Let me see. Something called supply and demand. Yeah, so the supply drops... Supply still retains a pretty high level, right? And people are still driving cars, last time I checked. Yeah. So what's going to happen to the price of oil? Is it going to go skyrocket? Way, way, way up. Uh, That's exactly what happened. Okay, so why are utilities going up? Well, environmentalism. The, The policies of people who worship the environment, the people who worship the creation and not the creator, and have ceased to take dominion over that creation. So does worldview matter when it comes to economics? You bet it does. We're going to talk about that more next on Generation. Stay with us. What happens when a culture that was established and guided by biblical principles abandons the faith and seeks to live by its own wisdom? In his latest groundbreaking work, Epic, The Rise and Fall of the West, Kevin Swanson unfolds the dramatic history of Western civilization, highlighting the phenomenal impact that Jesus Christ and His people have had upon the thought, culture, and institutions of the Christian West, as well as tracing the slow but devastating decline of Western civilization and the key factors that have led to our spectacular fall over the centuries. A sobering narrative of gospel hope This book urges its reader to greater fervency in the work of discipleship and the development of an international vision for the church. 
This is truly a must-read for any Christian seeking to understand the times and seasons in which we live. You can claim your hardcover copy of Epic, The Rise and Fall of the West by visiting generations.org slash store today. That's generations.org slash store. And we are back on the Generations Radio Broadcast. Kevin Swanson with you. Bill Jack as well. And Bill, I, I want to talk about environmentalism and how it has had an impact upon American energy prices. And it's going to have, I think, a lot of impact upon every part of the economy as long as the governments in this country are going to enforce these environmental policies, which I guess is supposed to prevent the sun from shining quite as hard as it shines and reduce the average temperature around the globe. Uh, you know, they, they're tweaking the sun a bit to try to bring about a decrease of global warming that is brought about by the this this gigantic nuclear power plant in the sky that beams down at us from 96 million miles away. Okay, so they're working very hard on this project and it's called environmentalism and uh, it's a pseudoscience, as we've talked about many times on the program. But U.S. Senator Mike Lee from Utah is sponsoring this bill that would allow state and local governments to purchase federal land where they'd build housing to curb the nation's housing shortage. Uh, the federal government owns 63% of the land in Utah. That's from where Mike Lee's from. Lee has told an audience of this. He said... Uh, there's just a lot of BLM land just sitting there, and it's not environmentally sensitive, and that's true. Uh, the report estimated 4.7 million more Americans could afford a home as a result of the bill, with the average household spending 30% or less of their incomes on the mortgage or rent. Right now, it's roughly between 40 and 50%, actually. So right now, you're, you're upwards of 40 to 50% of the average household income is going to the average household mortgage. So that's, I mean, it's, it's the worst it's ever been in the history of this country. And I want to get back to that in an upcoming program. But uh, you've got 4.7 million Americans can't afford a house. And he's saying, well, why don't we just use some of this federal land? You got 63% of Utah owned by the federal government. I mean, what are they doing with it? Oh, they're being good stewards of it. Uh, they're, protecting, so. they're protecting the environment and the land. I don't think so. Uh, well, I don't think so. Well, that's, that's pretty I, I was, harsh on your part. Don't you I, trust I, the government? I was cutting up a tree a couple of days ago. By the way, I felled this tree. Yeah. And uh, I had to kind of hook up kind of this little redneck idea where I was, it got stuck between a couple other trees. Oh, and so I got, that's not good. I got the rope attached to it. I mean, this, this is a massive tree. It's like probably 20, 22 inches diameter at the base. And, uh, I, I, I hooked it up to my excursion and I had my wife filming it because I thought if, if I'm going to do something this redneck, yeah, uh, she better get it's, this on film. It's YouTubeable in case uh -huh. things go bad. Yeah, well, yeah, I think so. And she could make, so, she could make a killing if you get killed. So, so I was able to pull it without killing anybody or pulling the tree down on my excursion, which was, a, I was afraid it was going to happen. Yeah. Anyway, I've, I've cut up this tree and I do this every year, but, uh, but let me give you an example over, the last 30 to 40 years, the pine beetle has killed 40% of Colorado's gorgeous forests of spruce and pine. And you've seen this. Yeah. As far as I can see, nothing but brown. 
these gorgeous Colorado forests have been decimated by the pine beetle. And now I own 20 acres here in Colorado over which, you know, God has called me and my family to take dominion. Okay, so I've got 20 acres. They've got 3.4 million acres devastated by the pine beetle. Okay, now over 13 years of ownership, the pine beetle has killed roughly one to two trees per year on my property. Okay. And so now it takes me between 20 and 40 hours to split up this wood and burn it. And by God's grace and a little work, the 20 acres is doing quite well. I mean, you, you drive up here yeah. on occasion. It's, you see that. It's well, you know, well forested and yeah, wooded. Yeah, it's well forested, well wooded. And do you see any dead trees in my forest? No. No. But, uh, I'm I, taking care of it. I saw That's a why. dead excursion, though. No. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sorry. That was... <laughs> no, no. It wasn't crushed by the tree. Almost, but not quite. Okay. So this doesn't happen on public lands. Why? Because there are no private parties responsible for the ownership and care of this property. So you've got 3.4 million acres devastated. Thank you very much, BLM. Thank you very much, state governments. Thank you very much, President Theodore Roosevelt and others that brought this socialist ideal. Uh, instead of bringing God's law based upon private property and ownership of private property to bear in the taking dominion of God's green earth, that doesn't happen. Now, I did the calculation. You have full time ranchers. They could adequately take them in in over a thousand acres. See, see, I do other stuff. I do a radio program. I write stuff. I'm a pastor. I, I seem to be busy doing lots of things. So you eat I, lunch occasionally. Sure. And I can afford a week a year taking dominion over my property. You know, right. I, can, I can take that tree down. It takes me 20 to 40 hours to split it all up and stack it and get it ready for burning throughout the winter. And that's what we've done. You've seen the stacks, right? Sure. You've come up to my property. That's me. I've done that work. It takes me 20 to 40 hours per year to stay up to speed with the 20 acres of God's green earth that he's given me. And to protect your, your home, you do uh, okay. fire mitigation. So, you, you clear out stuff. So like take that. the 52 weeks. Let's say you're a full-time rancher. Take the 52 weeks and multiply it by 20. What do you get? Thousand acres. Thousand acres. Okay. So if, if Theodore Roosevelt didn't come up with the harebrained socialist ideals that were so big in the early 20th century, and if there were godly Christian pastors who would equip God's people to do the right thing in the early 1900s, which there were none or very few of, but if there were, if there were, say, radio programs, if there were, you know, books like How the World Runs in Your Part in applying biblical economics, friends, we could take better care of God's green earth. We, we could have 3,400 ranchers, and that's not that many ranchers. Take 3,400 ranchers and give them a thousand acres each. That's 3.4 million acres. 3,400 ranchers would be 1% of the Colorado population, right? So it's yeah. no big deal. 3,400 ranchers could take good care of God's green earth and they would manage the acreage because the problem is you let a couple of trees go for two years. You let four trees go, six trees go, 12 trees go with these pine beetles. And by the way, I, I'm, I'm pretty careful. I hit the February, March timeframe. I see some dead trees. I take them down and I'm burning them by May. And I see these little critters crawling out. They crawl out in the early May because they're, they're looking for another tree. They're, they're, they're going to you know, burrow into another tree and they're going to kill another tree. So I'm burning these things alive. I, mean, I realize it's kind of macabre to be talking about this on the yeah, video program, I mean, but I burn these things alive. I, I cut them up fast and before they can get out and get up to other trees and lay eggs in other trees. I'm burning them. I'm burning these bad boys. 
but <laughs> reminds me of that old song about the boll weevil. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 that's pretty much what I'm doing on my yeah. 20 acres. But my point is that if we have 3,400 ranchers willing, and we just give them a thousand acres each, they're full time. They're addressing the pine beetle issue on their properties. Maybe they have to hire two or three guys. Okay, then come into Denver, pull a couple of two or three young men to, you know, haul out a couple of 20, 30 cords of wood. You know, we would not be dealing with 40% of God's green acres out here in the Colorado wildlife lands uh, being utterly devastated as they are in our present generation. I mean, this is utterly devastating. This is the ruin of a state. And the, the federal, for that, federal ownership yeah. of lands in America, FDRs and Teddy Roosevelt's wonderful plan to grab control over uh, over 60% of Western lands has turned into a total disaster, my friends. We should have applied biblical principles of property ownership in the state of Colorado and taken good dominion over God's green earth. Now, some are going to come back and say, yeah, but there is a rancher who doesn't do his work. He doesn't do his job. He you lets make, it all go yeah. for a generation. You don't make what, good law to the exception. What, what happens, be exceptions. But what happens to that ranch? It gets sold right. to somebody else who's going to take care of it. And, you know, the generation that sells it says, I don't want to deal with this. And they go off and they spend it on the lottery or something. And that's what happens when character breaks down generation after generation. So the point is the free market approach, taking dominion over private property will be the only way we can salvage God's earth in upcoming generations. And I sure hope Mike Lee's bill goes through and he sells off more and more of this federal land for private usage. Yep. Because the best stewardship is private ownership. That's what we're called to do. And you know, the other data point I want to throw out here is, and I I think, you know, my position is very much substantiated from what I've seen over say 25, 30 years of living out here in Elbert County. Um, I go down these highways, Highway 86, Highway 83. You understand these highways. And you find these dead trees sitting on county property, state property. They've been dead for five, six, seven, eight, ten years. You've seen them. They're the ugliest thing. Nobody's done anything about them. Meanwhile, people on their private property are busy cutting down the dead trees, using them for firewood. But there's probably between 50 and 100 trees I've seen coming out here on Highway 86, uh, heading down some of the side roads, the county and the state, they're just slothful. Nobody takes care of it. You go up and, in and, the mountains and, and, and I you think see, year, year you after see, year, I ask yeah. asking myself, when is the state going to take these trees down? They're just so ugly. And no doubt there's some bug kill involved. And they're probably going to affect private property if they don't get on it. But as you, as it turns out, the state is lax. They don't do it. And why don't they do it? Is it because they're lazy? No, it's because they don't feel a responsibility to take care of the property they own. Because you know what? These bureaucrats don't own that property. Nobody owns that property as far as they're concerned. Coupled with that, you have a secular mindset that says we're to blend in with nature. We're not to have dominion over nature. Oh, you and want so, to talk about forest fires. And you okay, let's talk fires. about forest fires. There now. you go. Okay, so you have 40% of dead trees throughout the Colorado wildlands. What what's going to happen with a couple lightning strikes? What happened in Yellowstone? Suddenly you're up to years ago. suddenly you're up to 1.7 million acres taken down by wildfire. Yep. Okay, my friends, that's what happens when the environmentalists take over government. That's what happens when people elect Joe Biden as president of the United States. Not to mention Teddy, Teddy Roosevelt. Roosevelt. Well, friends, what's the solution to all of this? What is the solution to all of this? Well, Genesis 128. God blessed the man, the woman. 
God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And God cuts out a portion of that garden for Adam and Eve and assigned them to that acreage to take care of that acreage, not to turn it over to the state. Well, at that point, there wasn't a state, but to keep it within the family economy. And that's the way a biblical economy works. If, if you don't embrace a family based economy, a biblical economy, as described by biblical principle, friends, you're going to give it up to a socialist nightmare that will ultimately bring utter destruction upon the earth. Okay, for the kids, let me just throw this out. This is for the kids. Kids, you know what? You leave your home, go on vacation. You leave your home, your garden, under the care of your dogs and goats for a few weeks. Okay? You go on vacation. You, you, leave, you leave your house. You say, give it to the dogs, give it to the goats. Take care of the garden, take care of the house for a few weeks. What happens on your return? What happens? What do you think would happen? Just, just come home? Nothing. What would happen? Nothing. They all take care of themselves. Yeah. What's going to happen to the couch? The uh, fridge? Well, that's a different story. What's going to happen to the carpet? Yeah. What's going to happen to, come on, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> this is for the kids. This is for you, Bill. <laughs> Things will not be taken well care of, to say the very least. More likely, there will be nothing but utter ruin and disintegration. What would the world look like without man's proper dominion care over it, should it be left alone for several hundred years? No doubt, there are modern environmentalists who would like to test that out. Check out the scenario. What would happen? Play it out. Let's see what would happen. Nothing much grows on 29% of the Earth's barren land mass. Of the 71% of cultivatable land, 11% is mainly shrubs, which doesn't provide much food for anything. Another 37% is forest land. The remainder is managed by farmers and ranchers providing food for 96% of the mammals and humans on planet Earth. There are at least twice the domestic cows in America today versus the number of bison that roamed the Great Plains 150 years ago. In other words, there's more mammals today than there were 150 years ago, and 50 times the human population. Provided that grasslands and forests are privately owned and well taken care of, forest fire mitigation prevents widespread destruction of fauna and flora, Animals don't build roads, prevent erosion, perform controlled burns, channel irrigation water for fields, maximize crop yields, or maximize reproduction for domesticated herds. Animals don't do that kind of stuff. Animals are not concerned about increasing field yields. But man has worked hard to free himself first from hunting and gathering and then from farming. In the mid-1800s, about 60% of the workforce were confined to farms. Now, a century and a half later, that's decreased to 1%. There's 60% farmers, 150 years ago, now it's 1%. Why? Crop yields, division of labor, etc. Average crop yields increased from 30 bushels of corn per acre in 1920 to 150 bushels per acre in 1999. And you say that man can't take dominion of this earth? You're saying that this world is overpopulated? Give me a cotton pick and break. Some areas of the U.S. have achieved as high as 500 bushels of corn per acre. It used to be 30. Wow. The predominant worldview in the West now insists that man is no different from the animal population and therefore has no right to assume dominion of the creation. According to this modern religion of environmentalism, man is considered a parasite on the earth 
and he must therefore commit himself to reduce the impact of his own activities on the earth. Because of what is assumed to be a perpetual scarcity of resources, the highest objective is to reduce human population by all means, prevent any more population increase. You see the difference in worldviews, Bill? Yep. There's significant difference in worldviews, huge difference. And the difference is the one assumes that man is created in the image of God for a dominion and will take care of the earth and is assigned to take care of the earth. And the other is that man is just another animal. We were just talking about this in, in my poli-sci class, a civics class, and that is that one views a man as the problem rather than as a blessing. One view has man as you, the, that you get back to nature. Nature is good. Civilization is bad. And man is born good, but he becomes bad because of his environment. The other view is, no, man is born sinful, but God's word tells him to be fruitful, multiply, to rule and have dominion over. So there's just, it's a clash of worldviews when it comes to how you view the world around you, how you view the resources. The idea is that there's only so much resource out there and we've got to preserve it as opposed to the idea that man takes what is around him mixes it with his mind and his body and produces and is fruitful and produces blessings, materials that bless other people, not just to provide for his own needs or his family's needs, but then blesses the nation, blesses his community by being fruitful and multiplying. And worldviews matter. These worldviews matter. The humanist environmentalist worldview will destroy the world. And I don't think I'm exaggerating the case on that, Bill. No, you're not. You, you take a worldview that worships the creature rather than the creator and assumes that man is just another animal and then works for a population control scheme that will eliminate 80 to 90% of the world population by way of biological warfare or some other crazy means. And you're going to see a huge destructive effect upon the whole world. So you see, it's important to raise your children with the right worldview. And that's why I wrote the book, How the World Runs, and your part in it. It was targeting a high school level 14-year-older, but it could be for anybody. That book, How the World Runs, and your part in it, is available at our website, generations.org. encourage you to get a copy of that for each of your children and uh, perhaps some grandchildren that may need a book that introduces themselves to a, a biblical perspective of economy, of work, of environment. And, uh, and how they will play a part in it. I don't just talk about the macro. I also bring out biblical principles relating to work, relating to getting your first job, relating to debt, how to pay off your first house, and so forth. All those practical things are all wrapped up in this little book, How the World Runs, and your part in it. We have a study guide that goes with it, too. All of that at generations.org. This is Kevin Swanson inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.